Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open World. How are you today? Um, we have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Denise. She's the head of global localization production at Riot Games. Um, welcome, Denise Krieger. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. How's everyone doing? Thank you for having me. It's uh, obviously different temperature where we are, right? <laughs> yes, I, we were just show, mentioning that because uh, I feel like an old lady here, like uh, with this blanket in my shoulders because it's chilly in Buenos Aires. Ale was mentioning that he looks like uh, out of uh, its film <laughs> like I, I look like George <laughs> to come I, I'm gonna find uh, it at a source somewhere <laughs> with this jacket no please don't bring him <laughs> no we don't need it today <laughs> please so Denise um we are super excited to have you here and we we really want to to learn about your story and what you've been doing uh and the localization and the video game uh fields so First of all, I wanted to know, because I know that you're super active in different associations, such as women in localization and women in games as well. Um, but I'm super curious on oh, where did you start and what motivated you to be involved in those associations and if there's any other association that you're uh, collaborating with nowadays. Yeah, so I am actually the chapter manager for, for LA on the Women in Localization uh, group. Um, that's one of the organizations I officially uh, I'm part of. Uh, but just to take a step back for everyone, I've been in localization for uh, close to 15 years. But throughout those 15 years, I had so many different roles, right? So I even worked for the federal government very early on in my localization career, which was wow. completely wow. different. Yeah, so I worked in, in, you know, investigations, doing translation work and so on. And so as I moved into the entertainment industry through my master's degree, I went to the UK and did a master's in audiovisual translation. I got in touch with the, the localization community uh, and as well as the academics behind it, because a lot of people in localization, especially in the United States, outside of Europe and other countries, learn localization on the job, right? They, there's no formal training for it. Right. And so through my master's in the UK, I really developed a network of academics that study, you know, why are subtitles timed a certain way? How many characters, you know, who determined how many characters are used and so on. And that there's a science behind that. And so through these networks, uh, attending conferences like Languages in the Media and so on has allowed me to be someone that uh, talks about the importance of localization through different platforms. And that's one of my biggest goals and why I'm part of Women in Localization um, is to talk constantly of the value of LOC across the board um, in all the different industries because localization exists all over. Everything you're interacting with has has an option of localization. Are you using you know, Google Maps? If you're using your Facebook, people around the world need localization to have that, right? Okay. So that's one of my big missions. So to answer your question, um, working with lecturers, academics, people are doing research behind the scenes, and then um, through the Women in Localization Network, just trying to join more events and expanding that network. And whoever wants to talk to me about localization, I'm always open to it. 
And um, if there's someone listening to to this um, show and is interesting in is interested in joining this associations, should they reach directly to you, or this is there any specific platform they could access to get more information about this? Yeah, we yeah, can so totally put it in the comments if that's the case. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we have our organization. Um, you can look it up, womeninloc.org. Uh, we have LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups. Um, and so the organization is actually global. So depending on where you live, you can look up to see if there's a chapter associated with it, and then you can join that chapter. Um, you can be a member, you can uh, volunteer your time. Sometimes we're recruiting and looking for people to help us out with different roles. Uh, so yes, and if you can't find it, feel free to reach out. The best way to reach me is LinkedIn. I do try to spend uh, once a, uh, every couple of weeks, I go through my inbox and try to make sure that I can help anybody that, that has questions about Localization in general, career, mentorship. I sometimes speak to students. That's another way that I stay in touch with the community students that uh, want to hear more about how do you get into this career and how does that work and what happens behind the scenes. I also recently did a talk for, for the uh, university system, state, state system, to talk about careers that can lead to localization that are in technology, that are in the arts. Um, UX, UI design, programmers, there's just so much in localization that overlaps. And I see this becoming even more and more crucial to be part of the skills um, of others. So yes, hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> I love that, that you're so in touch with the community, especially, especially with the students, because sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming to having so many options. And um to to reach out to to people that may have so many years of experience in the industry um can be even intimidating at times right uh so to to stay close to to students and to understand um their their needs is, is super important so well thank you for for your work niece yeah i mean it, it's super it's super important and that's kind of one of the reasons uh, that we invited you, you know, because of your career, what what you have experienced throughout. Uh, I didn't know that you were that many years in the localization industry, right? In different areas. But we want to step back at your time uh, dubbing at Netflix. Uh, what made you like do the jump to video games? And there are any similarities with the localization process between the entertainment industry versus the gaming industry? Yeah, I get this question pretty often. And I think uh, in, traditionally there's been a very kind of separation between both industries. And I think more recently we're starting to see a little bit more of an overlap or talent that's, that's jumping from one industry to the other, which I think is great. Honestly, I think it, it promotes different practices and and points of view on how to scale localization and and so on. But so little fun fact, when I did my uh, education for my audiovisual translation uh, degree, I intended to go get it so that I could go into the video game localization world, because part of the modules that I studied uh, in addition to dubbing and subtitling, it was video game localization. Um, okay. I was a gamer. I grew up, you know, uh, I am a gamer. I grew up playing video games because I'm an only child. So I was always, you know, uh, 
very into gaming, especially console gaming in the in the more recent years. Uh, it was as a way for me to just entertain myself to, right. you know, an outlet for a lot of us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I had that interest, uh, but when I joined uh, that master's, I got an internship at a uh, vendor, localization vendor company that supported film and TV. And that's how I started my journey in film and TV and then got, you know, an opportunity at Netflix where I helped build a lot of the infrastructure for localization, uh, for subtitling, as well as dubbing. Uh, and so once I had the opportunity to sort of come full circle, I took it, right, of, all right, I, I now kind of developed this expertise in localization for film and TV. I want to know what it's like to develop it as well for, for gaming. And I made that jump. And I'm so happy I did because it's allowed me to really grow and see different processes. So to answer your question, the fundamentals of localization are the same, right? There has to be a creative aspect to translation, to adaptation, voice recording for characters. But the things around the fundamentals are what are different. So processes and tools, workflows, cadence in which, you know, things have to kind of move. One thing right. that I always tell people is if you have a film or you have a series, uh, it kind of has a, a beginning and an end date with games. Right. You could get going for years <laughs> yeah. and years yes. and years. Ongoing localization, it never stops, right? So that's yeah, especially I think, if you, some of if the you work with big franchises, right? Uh, and um, when you have marketing campaigns or release live ops and the, the it's so fast paced, right? Um, compared to other industries. That's right. And um, I wanted to know a bit more about your role within Riot Games. Um, what What is it like to be part of such a huge um, company and that represents so much within the, the gaming industry nowadays, right? Um, where, what were your expectations when you started? Well, Flor, I think that's a really good question, especially my particular role. So I, I head localization production and many people don't know what that means, right? Um, so, so figuring out how that discipline is such a key and important aspect of ensuring that localization happens has been mind-blowing to me. So uh, as I was mentioning, the difference between film and TV, it's that it's very linear. It sort of starts and it ends and the workflow is kind of the same no matter what every project. Whereas mm -hmm. with game development, uh, there's different game engines, there's different processes and cadence. And so every time you're going to spin up a new game, you have to build an entire pipeline that will help localization happen. And that's essentially what my team does. So my producers go in and say, okay, we have this new new game, let's build a pipeline, let's put all the processes in place. And so when you work for a company like Riot, where now it's not just one product, and previously it was at Blizzard Entertainment, which again has quite a few games, you have to really understand what what's the nuance and the difference from all of those. And so I will tell you that my favorite Part of joining, you know, the gaming space and Riot is that I get the best of all worlds. What I mean by that is that my production team works with the development teams for games, 
with publishing teams for marketing. They work with website localization. They work with campaigns, events. I mean, we touch everything. And I think right. that's super exciting. I love that you bring this because a lot of people think about localization, video game localization, and they immediately think about in-game content. And there's so much in between that it's not just um, limited to that, right? Um, and I, I find it fascinating because you get to learn from all these teams, uh, the different perspectives and um, to see the, the lens through the publishing team or even the marketing team. Uh, it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. right. It just covers so much. And then we are negotiators. We are, you know, producers at the core. We're, we're dealing with all these different right. teams to make the magic happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can set any example, right? The cement that glues everything together or whatever. Mm -hmm. but yeah, you are everywhere. But <laughs> going back to to your team, right? To such a diverse team that uh, works in so many different areas. Um, we know that you promote your yourself, right? A healthy work culture, uh, not only within your team but among teams, right? Can you share any specific tips that you have involved uh, within your plan or your communication? Uh, sure. This is a this is a big one for me. Um, I care a lot about promoting and ensuring that there's a healthy uh, work culture and environment uh, where people feel empowered to grow and to be able to develop themselves but also bring their authentic self to work. So I would say those are one of the key areas, right? Be yourself. Don't try to copy how someone is or try to, you know, portray someone that you're not. So be yourself, be honest. Um, and collaboration is a huge one for me. I always feel that the, the environment in which people grow the most is when they get to work with others. And some companies, uh, there's a lot of space for creating silos where people kind of work on their own yeah, and that's like fine bubbles. for a certain. Yeah, exactly. So you compartmentalize your team and the next thing, you know, morale is low or, you know, there's burnout or there's this sense that you're not, you're not really kind of stimulated by anything else. And so that is one of the key areas that I focus on. I always try to drive uh, initiatives where people can work together to solve problems. I think that really helps people uh, feel like they have a purpose. And on top of it, like I mentioned, you know, being yourself, uh, opportunity for feedback, allowing vulnerability, you know, uh, being able to say, hey, I made a mistake. Even me as a leader, or as a manager, I like to call out, you know, hey, keep me honest. I screwed this one up. You know, let me let me learn. Let me make help me be better. Right. And so that's part of the journey of leadership, uh, I think. It's not about just telling your team what to do, how to do it, but it's about growing with them and understanding and adapting to their needs and trying to forecast changes in the business so that you can adjust so that they're in a good place. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different things I can talk about in, in about this topic, but I think uh, at the core is allowing people to be themselves, leveraging their strengths and also helping overcome their their so-called you know challenges or opportunities. I think that's that's great advice. And one of 
Well, for me, for example, one of the most challenging aspects is this breaking this bubbles or popping these bubbles and trying to keep communication flowing because sometimes when you have so much so many um people involved in the process they may have different goals they have a different agenda and you have to align those planets and make it work somehow right and Going back to to your role, because I know that you mentioned all the stakeholders and all the teams that you collaborate on a daily basis, but I, I would like to know how does the localization process look? Um, depending, of course, on the content, it might vary, I, I, I guess, but is there any specific method that you use or, um, for example, depending on tools or even... For quality assurance, is there anything in particular that you would like to share with us? Yeah, so it's complex, right? Especially as I mentioned, because we touch so many different types of assets in game mm -hmm. as well as out of game. Uh, so we have different pipelines for those and different groups and departments and what we call requesters, which are those within, uh, let's say, Riot that require localization services or localization practice. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are constantly educating. We have a ticketing system for requesting, you know, anything that they require. Uh, so we have a lot of communication channels for that of like, hey, I, I have a need for something. Can localization help? So we have that set up. We also have our regular operational workflows where we use things like cap tools and, you know, content management systems. Uh, we also, one of the really, really cool things that when we have at Riot on the localization department is we have a localization technology team. So that's a team dedicated uh -huh. to help incorporate tooling, uh, ensure that we're meeting our stakeholder needs, but they're also that we're scaling our operational footprint down downstream. Because another thing that we do is while my team is centrally located in headquarters with a few um, in Europe, a lot of our regional teams also are doing localization work. So it's quite uh, a lot to, to manage. And so we have to have the appropriate tools in place and LQA practices, partnerships. Um, it's, it's quite a lot really, <laughs> uh, but our <laughs> technology, bet. yeah, our technology team helps a lot with trying to solve some of the, the process areas and ensuring that in the future, you know, we can continue to do the work that we can at a high quality level without exploding as a team. Right. <laughs> Right, and to oil the communication between all teams the best way you guys can, right? Sorry. So let's, I mean, you told, you told us that you're a gamer, Denise. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but we don't know what you're playing right now. Like, is there anything that you can recommend? Is there anything that you, that caught your eye maybe, uh, I don't know, in the E3 that happened just now or that, your go-to game, for example, my go-to game is Bloodborne on my PS4. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I'm a big Bloodborne fan. I suck at it. I die a lot, of course, as you should. Yeah, we were just talking that, <laughs> for example, one of our colleagues and I don't like dying a lot, so it's a bit frustrating <laughs> for us. <laughs> I was trying to explain them that it's part of the game's mechanics, right? You have to die yeah, in exactly. order to get better. But what, what you're playing right now? So I 
because I'm a manager, I am talking all day with people or trying to help make decisions. So rather than like for a lot of us or a lot of people that like to have a community when they game, I like to be on my own. It's kind of my me time. Understandable. Love it. So so I like single player uh, type of thing. I don't like to kind of get into, uh, I just want to be in the zone, be on my own, do my thing. So I've been playing a lot of the Spider-Man games. So the one, uh, the first one as well as Miles Morales. Miles Morales mm-hmm. is the one that I've been playing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love it because I also have this weird obsession with flying ever since I was a kid. I always like heights and I like anything that's kind of like the feeling of flying. And yeah. so I get in that game and I know I can just swing around and look at the, it's a beautiful looking game as well. It's uh, swing game. around and I like, you know, the, the mechanics and so on of the, of the fighting. And uh, yeah, that's my go-to. I sit down on my couch, I grab my PS5 and I just, that's how I decompress. So that's, that's been definitely my, my go-to. I've also been playing um, Cyberpunk, but not mm-hmm. as much, not as much. Well, it's the, an RP, the... it, it's a... Sorry, oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's all right. No, that, I was going to say that uh, Cyberpunk, it's a whole different experience, right? Where the, the world is big and everything, but it's a more complex RPG kind of element mm-hmm. thing, right? You have to think a little bit more probably than just like sit back, chill, and relax with a Spider-Man game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I love that, that you mentioned the the idea of flying. Um. I, I have the same thing, but for swimming. And lately I've been playing Subnautica Below Zero a lot. And I, f- I get that feeling that I'm underwater. And well, at least here in Buenos Aires during the pandemic, I haven't got the chance to go to a swimming pool. So that's my go-to and my escape too. So I, I love that about games that you can um, find, that, find that headspace and relax and, and connect to what makes you you right so um yeah i i know sorry no go ahead go ahead it's it's your turn (laughs) no single player games are are so important as well right i I love playing with my friends but single playing games are just kind of like Mm -hmm. a need sometimes to decompress uh but Uh, moving on from games because i'm I'm gonna stay talking yeah we can forever be talking for hours (laughs) um now, we would like to know a bit about um, diversity and inclusion, right? Um, we would like to know about Riot's plans uh, in, in, in the topic, right? About diversity and inclusion, whether if it's something in the short term or the long term that you might like to share with our audience. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a very important question. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that should be asked across the board, you know, uh, constantly, because it has to be top of mind. When it comes to Riot specifically, I can say that, you know, it definitely feels top of mind. And there's a lot of activities happening around ensuring that there's that awareness and that there's also not only the awareness and the talk, right? Because it's easy to just talk about, hey, yeah, we need to be better at this or we need to Mm -hmm. be conscious of this. But the actual action behind it is what we need more of. Um, We have a lot of uh, internal groups uh, where we help the consultants 
for even some of the products, which I think is something that's needed and really fantastic. So we have, you know, more diversity happening in things like our agents for Valorant, and we have more diversity just across our, our, um, champions and stories and representing, you know, diverse voices. I personally uh, always am a big advocate for DNI, and I always join groups and accessibility groups as well. I think it's super important. I'm part of the LGBTQ community. I'm Latina, you know, so I, I always want to make sure that we 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 are uh, stepping forward. And at Riot, from a personal, I'm not speaking for the company, but from my personal perspective, I really feel that we're prioritizing this, right? I really feel that there's there's room. There's always room for improvement. Right? I'm not saying it's yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely, always for everyone. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> but the investment of you know, okay, let's do the right thing. Let's ensure that we have safe space and that we are also not just putting products out there with a notion of representation, but let's bring the people that can actually represent properly. And I think that's one right. really cool thing that I'm seeing currently, and I see it happening more and more and I'm looking forward to it becoming a pro part of the process right you want to incorporate a new champion you want to do something new and new environment a new map um let's bring the people that can actually represent that properly not just the person that can the research right, right? That they can interpret the what interpretation you're into, right? exactly exactly so I think that's really cool I want to see more of that across the board for everything uh and uh it also gives opportunity to bring in more talent right because yeah. we want to represent I the world truthfully you know in in everything that we're interacting with in games and enter all of entertainment so if we look at our own companies or our own teams, and we're not seeing that representation, that's a call to action to us. And I yeah. think that's what it's about, right? I love yeah. that there are so many new initiatives happening and what a time to be part of this industry, right? Um, because we have the opportunity to generate so much change and to bring new voices and to bring this representation that it's uh, so much needed right now. Absolutely. Yeah, very inspiring as well to mm -hmm. to see that point of view from your perspective, right? In leadership mm -hmm. as well. So thank you for that, Denise. Awesome. Yes, and uh, for the people tuning in, they probably already saw the log facts section of this episode that we included a lot of uh, information about the champions and how uh, you came together and brought those uh, characters to life from bringing different uh, perspectives from different um, cultures. So we, we love that also. Now, Denise, uh, we know that Arcane is coming. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that, whatever you can? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm very excited about Arcane. I'm not gonna lie. It's, yeah. it's been really fun working on it. Um, Riot is obviously new uh, at, at producing this type of content. And one of the really, really fun facts here is that Joining Riot from my background and experience has been a really nice fit to to help them build localization infrastructure for for content such as this one. Right. I can't share a ton of details, um, but all you of you know there's 
years, yes, you have to wait, but uh, we're working really hard on getting this, you know, out. Uh, you know, we're partnering with Netflix on it, um, mm -hmm. which is super exciting. Uh, and of course, localization is a massive part of it. So we want this to be yeah. a global experience. Um, and that is about as much as I can say, but stay tuned. Definitely watch it. It's really, really good. Now, it's set well, for we'll autumn, right? Stay tuned. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's uh, announced for autumn this year. Uh, next that's right. year. That's it. Or is this year. This year. That's September. That's September yeah, and something like that. Okay, maybe cool. next time uh, for season two, you can join us and give uh, a little bit more details on, on this project. And congratulations to everyone who's working behind it. Yes, we are very excited, guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining this, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure the League of Legends fans out there, um, it's going to be fun to to see, you know, uh, these characters and their stories uh, really portrayed in this series. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. And yes, maybe by, uh, you know, next time we can talk a little bit more about it. For sure. For yeah, sure. I would love to. I would love to. Um, so yeah, now we're going to jump to our memes. Now, now this is relatable to say the least. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's also related to the fact that we are gamers, and every single one of us has a different zone, like you mentioned. So, well, this is pizza and rain. But do you have any specific moment or um, scenario or that makes it perfect for you? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love pizza, right? <laughs> pizza I know. And raining outside. I mean, maybe. yeah, make it a Friday <laughs> and that's perfect. <laughs> maybe some chocolate chip cookies for dessert, you know? <laughs> uh, yep. And a little milk, you know, <laughs> and that's perfect. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I that's my Friday night <laughs> right there. <laughs> So that means in a few hours, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah great plans. <laughs> Feeling a bit old, but yeah, what can I say? That's me. <laughs> it happens every single time. Yeah, well, that's me all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean... Even the Dark Souls tutorial can be a little bit like the Dark Mario here as well. Maybe if you're facing yeah. Gunner, if you're facing the Cleric Beast, it can get pretty shady as well. <laughs> well, for me, it's like for every single game, it doesn't matter how hard it is. Like being a perfectionist, every single time I, I face a new game, it's like I have to master it like the very first second I, I start playing it. And I know that doesn't work like that, but it's just me. I don't know. Yeah, and I call it like being bad uh, Dark Souls, even though I love the game. I love the games. Uh, yeah, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you, Flo, right here. Yeah. <laughs> You've been a perfectionist. <laughs> this was great. <laughs> that's like Devil May Cry, right? Triple S style game. <laughs> yeah. You're kicking ass in style. <laughs> Oh, 
Yeah, this feeling I definitely can relate. How many times like... I tried to hug a character for a game. <laughs> My god. Is there any um specific game where, that you remember playing when you were um um younger or Oh no, I'm going to date myself really terribly. I'm I'm well, I'm 32 years old, so I'm going to beat you too. I'm so almost 34, that. so you, you're Oh, you're I beat you both. So now um i obviously loved the nintendo games back back in the day right i mean mm -hmm. i even had a chance to to play with my cousin's atari i mean that's how far back you know i go but um i used to love mario 3. oh that's and the best I, one in my opinion i have a hat yeah <laughs> is great. i used to love Dale? ninja turtles there was a ninja turtles uh game on i used to love uh, and then I was really into uh, the Islamic, uh, you know, games when I had a Sega. Mm -hmm. uh, those were fun, but yeah. Yeah, I remember spending hours with my sister and my cousin also playing Sonic as well. So yeah, <laughs> you're yes. you're fine with with your references, and it makes you even cooler because you have so much uh, information that some kids don't even know about, right? <laughs> That's right. I can even tell you from back in the day of the original Doom, like playing it on on PC, the very first version ever. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. You're not alone in this. Trust me. Yeah, no. You know, Where using the floppy. You know. Oh man. The floppy disk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Probably there's people tuning in that don't know what a floppy disk. No disc idea what is. we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Uh, that I think that we me. can we can put a floppy disk somewhere so people can see it, right? Like right yeah, now. Yeah, somewhere. Production over here. team, Marcos, please. What it looks like. <laughs> um, they're probably in a museum right now. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say we can go visit them at the museum. My God. Oh. Look at this one. <laughs> I can I relate I, to this one. Yeah, I don't know if I look that cute. On a level one armor, but hey, the poppers, the popper nailed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this one kind of hurts, especially when they carry your ass <laughs> through like hard no, levels. Oh, come back! Like, come, come back! back friend, you. Why are you doing this to me? Don't leave me alone. Yeah, but if you're into single players then <laughs> that's not yeah uh, it's all you buddy often. yeah <laughs> and that's the last one of our memes so i hope you enjoyed it as much as we did that was fun yeah it was thank you so much denise for joining us today and thanks everyone for tuning in see you next time on our thank next you so much episode. gracias Gracias. Gracias. Take care.